And isn't it good to be together today, church? Yeah, good morning to you in the room. Good morning to you online. Uh, man, it is just something that I hope uh, that we never take for granted as a church after everything the last two years, the beauty and blessing of being in the room together and hearing from fellow brothers and sisters of what God's doing in their life and heart and collectively believing that God is working in us right now, in this room, in your life. You're not here by accident. You're not tuning in by accident. Today we end a series called By Faith. And if you haven't been with us, you're fine. We're, uh, this can stand alone today. We've just been talking about what that phrase means and we're going to close that out today. And I want to start by talking about, I think, one of the hardest human emotions that we have, at least that I have. And I don't have one word. It's not a real clean, but I would describe it as that emotion when you realize that you don't measure up, right? And when I think of times in my life where I was just like, you know, when we're young, I think we try to lie to ourselves like that we do measure up about some things that maybe we don't. And then as you get older and out of you know, the little kid age to middle school, especially high school and college, like if you're like me, you face some situations where it's just undeniable <laughs> that you just don't measure up. And that, oh, it's, it's such a hard pill to swallow that, man, in this moment, I don't have what it takes, All right? We, we live in a culture that applauds and celebrates having what it takes, finding a way, right? Overcoming, right? And I'm all for that. But there's just some things in life, if you're honest, you just don't measure up. I, I have a lot of, more than we have time for, instances, scenarios, stories from my life where I, it was clear, I do not measure up. But three come to mind, and they were all a few years ago, all right? The first is ninth grade basketball tryouts. Um, I'm, I'm still bitter about the story. It was picture day, and for me at Parkland High School and picture day, I wasn't messing around. I went black slacks, white turtleneck, sweater vest, like boys to men kind of sweater vest, kind of that coolie high harmony vibe, if you know what I'm talking about. So I had, I had the black dress shoes, the black pleated slacks, the white turtleneck, and this real smooth black silver design sweater vest, um, and it was picture day. And my understanding, according to the flyer and the announcement, was basketball tryout meeting after school. So I went to the meeting, and I'm going to blame it on my mom. I don't know. Somehow I, I miscommunicated or I didn't hear right. It wasn't a meeting. It was like the first day. And the coach said, I just want, all we're doing today is getting a mile time. I want to get your mile time in and then we'll come back tomorrow. And I didn't have gym clothes. I didn't have anything but what I was wearing. And, and if I would have been just a little more mature, if I'd have been like who I'm trying to raise my kids to be, I could have so easily gone to coach and said, listen, I blew this. Like I didn't get, like I'm I don't have any clothes. Could, could, I, could I come early before school? Could I, could I make this up? Could I run tomorrow? Could I, like there's all kinds of things I could have done, but I was scared to do that. So we were walking from the little meeting out to the track and all the guys, a bunch of kids trying out for the team. Everybody turned left to go to the track and I was thinking, I'll just run in this, right? And then as I was walking, I was like, there ain't no way I can run in this. So they all turned left to go to the track and I just turned right and I never went back, Right? And that day and that moment, if, if I'd have gone left instead of right, 
we're probably celebrating a retirement from the NBA, kind of. <laughs> laughter is offensive sometimes, right? I, I probably, uh, I would have made that team. I think I probably wouldn't have started on that team. Like my career wouldn't have been whatever, but I, but I never gave it a chance because I just thought, I looked at what I was wearing, I looked at what I had, and I just thought, man, I can't, I can't hang in this scenario. And it's just a brutal, so I just quit before I ever got started. 12th grade, a few years later, I am uh, on a track to do what my dream has been since middle school. I was going to follow my parents' footsteps and go to University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. I was going to get an MBA. I'd given up on the NBA, and I was going to get an MBA, uh, Master's of Business Administration. Uh, everything was on track. My, my grades were good. Things were looking right. It's my senior year. I looked down on those, those seniors that didn't have their act together. Didn't, they, you know, when you ask a senior, hey, what are you doing next year? They, they, you know, I, I, I looked down on the ones that, oh, I'm not sure. Like, I knew I had a plan. I knew what I was going to major in. I knew where I was going. Everything was set. And then God began to do something in me that I still can't fully explain today because I wasn't looking for it. I wasn't asking for it. A lot of people would term this thing a call, but I began to feel God calling me to do something different with my life than, than I had planned. Now, please don't hear going into ministry or pastoring is better. We need Jesus followers getting MBAs. Right. Amen? Right? That's, that's not less than, but it wasn't what he was calling me to. And I started to get a sense of that through conversations and through, but through like we've been talking about in our church, through scripture and through like, man, what are you doing? So my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, praise God, God will work it out. Um, she was at Kentucky Christian University. My brother was at Kentucky Christian University. I knew my parents could not afford to send two kids to private school. Um, and at that time, it's different now, which I think is a good thing. At that time, you kind of had to go to to get that, a, a, a Christian place to get a ministry degree to even be in ministry. So I started talking to the people and the counselor, and, the, and there was a scholarship that my, my uh, wife, that Kelly, who was just up here, was on that they give out each year, and it was a combined GPA-SAT scholarship. And I had the GPA, so I needed this number on the SAT, and it was a beautiful, it was a full, almost completely full-ride scholarship. So I, I felt God was working and like, all right, I, I, I had a plan, and I like my plan, but I'm not going to deny that there's something supernatural, like, ah, I feel this draw, and you keep doing So I'm going to put it on you. So, so I, I took the SAT, and I felt good. Like, I did all the stuff you're supposed to do that morning, right? I drank the orange juice, isn't that? Like, there's a the stuff you're supposed to not stay up all night and drink orange juice and whatever. Took the SAT, then you wait. Back then, I don't know how it is now, but you had to wait till it, like, mailed your score. It's brutal. And I just remember, man, I can go there right now opening up that letter and I it wasn't close <laughs> it wasn't like oh man one question it was like whoa I'm going to Chapel Hill right <laughs> because they like it was it was nowhere near it wasn't in the category of the score I had to get to get the scholarship and I kind of was relieved because I wanted to do what I wanted to do and this was just proof that I was you know hearing things and making stuff up and and but but also I was like oh man I'm I don't I, I didn't get, I've been successful academically. I'm just not smart enough I'll go do my thing. And in that conversation, um, we'll get back to that. But I just want you to sit in that emotion. The third instant that comes to mind as far as not being able to measure up 
uh, is, was in 2006. And this wasn't academic and this wasn't athletic. This was spiritual. Um, this was the culmination of years of secret sin, of what had blossomed into an addiction to pornography. But as a pastor, I'd kept that super secret, super hidden and run and lied and all kinds of things. And in 2006, a lot of my secret life was out in the open for all to know. I was no longer in ministry and I I had this emotion that I'd had before, but it wasn't academic or athletic. It was much deeper and much, much tougher. It was the reality that I, I can't even measure up to the standard that I'd been calling others to. There's a lot of my life that was fraudulent, hypocritical, and it was hard to look people in the eye because I knew I can't measure I'm not there. I'm not who I said I was. As a gospel-centered, forever-focused, multi-ethnic movement of God, we center this church on the gospel. The gospel changed my life once and for all, all through my life, but especially in 2006. I learned that the worst news that I thought I could ever receive, that I don't measure up, was actually the best news. Embracing the freedom that comes from admitting I cannot, will not, do not measure up is the good news. That word gospel, remember, it's translated as good news. It's good news because you're not going to measure up anyway. And when you admit it and realize it and embrace it, there's such freedom and God works and meets you in that emotion of I can't be good enough. Here's, here's how. God breaks that down in, in Romans chapter 3. It says, now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, apart from the law, to which the law and the prophets testify. Verse 22, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. Why? For all have sinned and fall short. They don't measure up. Who? All. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all, all are justified or made right freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. At the center of our church, at the center of this world, at the center of your life, if you believe it or not, the center of everything is the relentless love of God. A God that just keeps coming and there's this obstacle and issue for God. There's an obstacle. He, he never didn't love you. He always looks at you. He looks at me and says, I love you and I created you. But there's an issue and an obstacle that keeps me from being tight with you. I can love you from a distance from God's perspective. God said, I love you, but there's something between me and you. I can love you, but I can't like bring you near. I can't have you like connected and intimate. Like I can't be your dad, which is the Greek translation father. I can't be that for you because of your sin. And the thing about God that makes him God is his holiness, his righteousness. It's not just that he does the right thing. Righteousness his perfection and holiness and his holiness keeps him from bringing you tight because you're not holy and if I've got like an all white suit on and I'm as clean as I can be I can't hug you if you're in the mud without getting it on me so the holiness of God keeps him from bringing the sin in us close except for the gospel the good news 
that his righteousness can be given, his perfection and holiness can be given to us through Jesus' righteousness, through him coming and being for us what we could never be for ourselves. That's the good news, that we failed the test, all of us. And Jesus came on our behalf, in our place. That's good news, right, church? Right? Right? That's good news that we talk about all the time. What is it, guys? This incredible news of our rescue and adoption. I think we got to remember, people that are rescued are pretty excited about it, right? Adopted, not just rescued so you don't go to the bad. so much better than that. Rescued into his family, rescued into his purpose, rescued into his mission, rescued, redeemed, adopted. Jesus came, he saved. That is the backdrop for this final message of the series, this final verse that we're gonna look at today. It's on the screen now, Romans 1.16. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. There's a lot in that verse. Now I'm I'm wearing my 116 gear today. Somebody asked me if I had this made. No, this was, uh, this was part of a Lecrae's deal. Um, and we went to see Maverick City and Lecrae, uh, which by the way, like I'm not a concert guy. I'm lazy. If I love your music artists, I'll just listen to it in my car. I don't need to go be around a bunch of other people to listen. And sometimes it's like, man, they sound a lot better in the car. Um, but we went to this concert and I'm telling you, it wasn't a concert. There's a movement, and it's connected to the multi-ethnic church. There's change happening in our culture that's beautiful and powerful. Um, so, so a little tease where we're going next week. We're starting a series uh, called Behind the Music. And if you were a you know, VH1 fan way back in the day, that might mean something to you, Behind the Music. But, but we're going to, uh, in our sermon preaching series, it's going to be really fun. We're going to take some of these songs that are straight from scripture, that have meant so much to us as a church. And some of them are from Maverick City, some of them are not. But, but we're gonna make sure we understand the story behind the story. I think some of the songs that we sing, we're gonna sing a little louder in about six weeks from now because we're really gonna understand, like we're singing some heavy, beautiful, crazy stuff. But that's, can we stay focused? Let's stay on this week. So this is, this is a 116, it's a, it was a hashtag, it's always a, it was a rap group, it's all kinds of things. But it comes from Romans 116. It's I'm not ashamed. Why was Paul talking about being ashamed? Why, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Who, who, who would even think about, like, why would you be ashamed of something so good? Because back then in the first century and today, our culture, especially religious culture back then and today, religious culture is built on you being impressive. It's not built on the gospel. So he's like, he needs to say, hey, I'm not ashamed of a gospel that says I cannot and will not measure up. I'm not ashamed of a gospel that puts all the credit and the glory, not on human, but on deity, on God in flesh through Jesus. I'm not ashamed of the gospel that says my best effort at this life will never reach righteousness or holiness. I'm not ashamed of that. I embrace it because there's a God who loves me, who met me where I am. So I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power. The gospel is the power of God. That's why we preach it all the time. Some of you have been with us for seven, eight years now. You're like, I've heard this verse. Yeah, we just keep coming because the power is what changes lives. It's not the song. It's not the building. It's not the church name. It's not the preacher. The power of God resides in the gospel. Don't you want some power of God in your life? Aren't you tired of power of you? I am. 
I'm not ashamed of it. It's the power of God for salvation. Salvation means to be rescued from sin, death, and hell, from an empty life, from a wasted life, from a meaningless life. And it's salvation for who? Everyone. Everyone. That's a big word. Everyone who believes, and you know when we talk about belief, this is, this is, a, this is a hard translation. The Greek word that we translate into English into belief doesn't mean what we say it means. I, I, I want, every time it says belief, I want us to go back and change the translation to trust. But nobody listen to me. Nobody, like the Bible, like they don't ask me about that, right? And originally that was a good translation, but what belief has come to mean in our culture is not what this means. This means everyone who trusts, who puts their faith in surrender, all of that's packed into this beautiful word. It's not, is there a God? Yes. That's not, we learned that last week, right? That's not what we're talking about. Everyone who trusts, surrenders, follows God is for salvation. To the Jew first and then the Greek. Well, wait a second. We just read 10 minutes ago that it was for you no know, difference when Jew and Greek. This is not Jew, it's not ranking Jews and Greeks or second class. It's saying it came through the Jews, first to the Jews, then to the Greeks. It's everybody's invited. It's just an order there. And there's no shame in not measuring up. I feel like there's some of you in this room that have been with us for years. And you've never made, you believed in God since before you ever knew Relentless, but you've never made a decision to follow And I I feel like for some of you, what's holding you back is you're a little embarrassed to admit that you don't have it together. And you can't embrace the gospel because right in the middle of the gospel is, I don't have it together. I won't ever have it together. I'm incapable on my best day of having it together on my own. And I'm telling you, what's scaring you and holding you back is the most freeing thing. And I wish I would have embraced that before 29 years old or whatever I was. But, but it has changed. My life has never been the same for 16 years. Don't be scared of the thing that's going to bring you the most joy and peace that you can imagine. Admitting, man, I, I don't measure up and I'm not ashamed of it. The first step, if there's folks joining us today online or in the room, the first step, if you've never made it, would be just to put your trust in Jesus. People call it accepting Jesus, putting your faith in Jesus, all kind of terminology that means the same thing. It is a decision that I'm going to follow Jesus, that I believe he came. He offers me his righteousness through his death on the cross and his resurrection. I'm going to trust that that happened, and I'm going to surrender my life to this Jesus who came for me, died for me, and must love me. That's your first step. Right? One of the, I don't even want to say one of the, the hardest thing about the pandemic for me, for our church, for who we are, is not getting to see people come to Christ. Right? Because we, we just have been in this place where you don't, we weren't meeting a lot in person, and when we were meeting, it didn't feel like the time to invite your neighbor who doesn't know Jesus to church, like nobody was going new places, you know, and all that. And we, like, that's so much of our heartbeat, week by week, month by month, day by day, seeing somebody who wants, like, maybe I believe in God, maybe I didn't, but I never followed Jesus, and now I want to. Like, how do you explain that? It's the power of God in the gospel. So let me remind you, church. You don't have to wait for a church service or an altar call or a song or an invitation. You can decide to surrender for the first time to Jesus anytime you want. 
and you just voice that commitment in your own words to God, that's your first step. And then you have to let us know. It's why we exist as a church. So you have to let us know. You can, you can talk to us about baptism. You can uh, click something on the website and that will get to us. You can come talk to me or any of our leaders after any service and say, like, I don't care who I'm talking to or what I'm doing or how tired I look. If, you, if your sentence starts with, I need to talk to somebody about making a decision for Jesus, right? We're dropping the baby. We're doing whatever. We're not dropping the baby. You know what I'm saying? Like we're ready. <laughs> to hear that, including, including today. It's your decision. That's the first step. Romans 1.16 is a famous verse, right? But we need to attach it to the next verse. Romans 1.17 says, for in it, what is it? It's the gospel. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live there's our, there's our title, by faith. So the righteousness of God, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, it is the power of God, salvation for everyone who believes, Jews, Gentiles, everybody. And in this gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, meaning the perfection and righteousness of God, it, it is transplanted, it is put from him to us. It is revealed that all the Old Testament, all the law, all the commands, all the stuff that humans never lived up to, like it never was gonna achieve righteousness. We never really could get it. We could get temporary sacrifice and temporary this and all led up to Jesus. And now through Jesus, righteousness of God is revealed. You can be righteous. Isn't that amazing? Like, Pastor, you don't, you don't know me. Like, there ain't no way I could be righteous. Oh, yeah, that's the point. That's the point. There is no way. Yeah, that's the point. That's why Jesus came. Nobody can be righteous. Like, there's no shot at righteousness for any of us through Jesus and the gospel. In it, the righteousness of God, it's revealed that that can be yours. And then it's got this crazy phrase that is translated a bunch of different ways. It's from faith, for faith, it's by faith. Like it's a bunch of different ways. We don't really know what to do with this phrase. And it's just summed up that it's the righteous will live. We talked about walking by faith. We talked about faith and deeds. We talked about a lot in this series. It's, at the end of the day, the righteous, we're going to live. We're going to live our lives by faith because of what he's done. Years ago, he's still in the NBA, and I don't mean to pick on him because there was a lot of stories, but this was the most famous story. It was a guy named Derrick Rose that came out of Chicago, went to Memphis, and, and Memphis got in trouble years after uh, he was already in the NBA because the story goes, um, and whether it's provable or not, but there's some, the story goes that, that Derrick Rose sent somebody else in to take that SAT, and this guy got the score he needed to get Derrick Rose into Memphis, um, but it wasn't actually Derrick Rose taking the test. And somehow they found that out years later and they got in trouble for, for that. And I thought of that in this verse, the righteousness of God is revealed. That's, we're not ashamed of the gospel. What's the gospel, the good news of your life if you belong to Jesus? What's the good news? The good news is somebody took the test for you. Like you, you had no shot. Drink your orange juice, say your prayers, study, do the books, go to the course, pay the tutor. You're never going to pass the righteousness test. Like was, and some people are like, oh, don't hit. Like, I want to feel good about myself. I come to church to self-esteem. Like, stop. This has nothing to do with self-esteem. It's just the reality of humanity. You're never going to pass the righteousness test. It's good news. So many of us, especially in churches, we spend our whole life trying to convince other people that we passed the test that nobody ever passed. Stop. It's a waste. It's, 
It's laughable if it wasn't about something so serious. Freedom came to my life, changed my life, changed a lot of your lives when I finally admitted and embraced. I'll never pass that test. And Jesus willfully, joyfully, willingly walked to a cross and took the test for me. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, when I breathe my last breath on this earth, I will be judged based on the perfect score of Jesus. Yes, please. Sometimes, sometimes we act like that day's not coming for every one of us. It is. I'm going to face him. And I grew up a little bit sometimes where they're like, oh, no, I'm going to face him. And now it's like, hey, he's going to look at me and he's going to see the perfection and righteousness of Jesus because I'm a pastor. No, stop. Because the gospel, the righteousness of God has been revealed. I have put my faith in that. And if that's you, we talked about a first step for some of you, like the first step is to commit. Have you committed? If your answer is yes, I've committed, now what? The righteous. We live every day, every practice, every study hall, every relationship, every work, every neighbor, everything about our life is out of faith that he did what he said he did. And we are who he says we are. As we like to say, who I am is completely wrapped up in whose I am. This faith that we live by, what is it? We defined it in the first week of the series, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Here's faith. It's confidence in what we hope for. It's being sure of what we do not see. Confident. If he came, if he took my spot, if he revealed his righteousness, if he offers me his righteousness through Jesus, if he died and loved me like that, if, if he, and then, then this earth is temporary and what he said is coming. If he did that, then I can trust him what he said is coming. So I have confidence in what my hope is for. I'm not an idiot. I'm not believing a fairy tale. Like this is real. He'll show up. How does he show up? He shows up in our faith. I'm confident of what I hope for, and I'm sure that there's stuff happening in the life, in the room, the stuff that I cannot see. Even when I don't see it, you're working. That's faith. I'm confident of what I've hoped for, and I have a certainty and assurance that there's more to this life than I can visually see. Now go back to our verse, 117. Righteous of God is revealed, so the righteous, we live by faith. How do you mean we live by faith? We live by confident in our hope. Sure of what we don't see. That's why we need each other. Because you're going to have moments, probably every week, I know I do, where that confidence can be like, oh, man, I don't know. I'm not as confident in this moment. And we need the collective unity and support and encouragement to keep walking and living by faith. To live out our identity. That Christ is actually forming himself in us. Is that crazy? It's happening here. I heard it this way. I sat around a table with some guys the other morning, and I just was reminded of their stories of where they were and where they are and where they're headed and family trees getting changed. And sometimes you don't see it in the day-to-day, but if we'll zoom back and like, oh my goodness, God is good. And he is working, and there's evidence. So that's what we're trying to be. We're trying to be a church. Every time we move on from a series, we, don't, we try not to move on from a series. We try to, like, Bank it into our DNA. So in this series, we want to be a church that's living by faith. And we're going into a season, as some of you know, as we build towards March 20th and going back to two services. And for some of you, the biggest thing ever, bringing coffee back on March 20th and all those things. 
Uh, we just want to invite you, if, if you're looking for a place to figure out what it looks like for you to live by faith, um, your next step would be this Welcome to Relentless event. We, we haven't been able to do it as much in the pandemic. We did it once last year. We'd like to do it three times this year. And for this, if you didn't come to the one you know, a few months ago, then you're invited. That's how, that's how easy this invitation is, right? So like, well, I went to something like years ago at the theater. Is that the same? You need to come. If you've never been to Welcome to Relentless, then you're invited. But we need you to sign up because we're going to take care of you. We're going to bless you. That's a Monday night, February 28th. You can sign up on our website, relentlesschurch.cc. It's a great step. Do it if that's you. I hope it is. Let me ask this. So, so faith is confidence. We, we know what faith is. How important is faith? I hope you've understood from this series how important it is. But there's a verse in Hebrews that takes it to another level. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Right? That makes faith pretty, pretty huge. This role of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, I want to please God. And again, it's not, it's, not, it's not earning his love. We talked about all that last week, the relationship between faith and action. He, he loves because he loves. That's who he is. But he loves me so much. And he's been so good and so kind, so merciful. Like, I, I want to please God. And this is telling me, well, faith, take faith out of the equation. There's, it's impossible. And we just see faith showing up. If, if you don't know, we're, we're journeying through Mark as a church, the Gospel of Mark, second book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark. And we challenge you and ask you as a family, as a couple, as a dorm, as a you, as a whoever with your small groups, teams, whoever your relationship with, to be reading a chapter of Mark a week. Not a day, but a week. And we haven't given you much instruction on that at all. We're just like, go get it. And some of you are in it, and some of you are not in it, and some of you are trying to be in it, but it's a struggle, right? And so we're, we've been talking about this. We're going to film something this week just to help you. If you're trying and you're like, I don't know what, like I'm reading it, but like there's no magic. There's no, I'm not hearing any voices. Like, am I doing something wrong? Right? You're fine. Keep in it. This is Mark chapter three that we start today. So you're not even behind. You could catch up today. But we're going to give you some help this week on some ways. If, if you need help, what does it look like to interact with God through scripture? So we did an exercise uh, this Tuesday in our staff meeting of just asking God to speak to us through Scripture. We believe he speaks in a ton of ways, ways that we would never define, ways that are bigger than us that we can't even imagine. But we believe at this church his favorite way to speak to you is through Scripture. So we had a very familiar section of Mark 2 about a, a paralyzed man. And we just calmed our hearts and we just asked God to speak specifically and personally to us. We took some time to pray through that and invite him into the Word, into our hearts. And it was amazing. It's amazing how real and good and obvious God was in that moment. It was different. We didn't all have the same takeaway from that because God's a personal God, but it was powerful. And in that, if you know, if you read this week, Mark 2, these four friends get a paralyzed man. They got to get him to Jesus. So they do all kinds of things. They get on a roof. They bust through somebody's roof to get this man. They make a contraption. They MacGyver it, if you're old enough to understand that. They get him, they get him down to Jesus so he can be healed. And, and, and it never says the word relentless. But as I read that, God just was putting on my mind, like relentless. Like that's who we, we got we to gotta believe it's worth anything to get somebody to Jesus. And then at the end of the deal, he heals the guy. He says some amazing things. I'm not preaching that today. But at the end of it, it says, the people left saying, man, we never seen anything like this. And the connection was made in my heart by the Holy Spirit through Scripture. We want to live the we've never seen anything like this lives. But the key was, it says, Jesus noticed their faith. 
That wasn't even supposed to be in the by faith message series, but that's just what God is doing and working. He showed up in scripture and we all want the amazing thing. But what happened, what triggered the power of Jesus was the faith of these friends to do whatever. It's the, you see it over and over. If you will go through Mark with us, you will see over and over and over again the role of faith triggering, activating the power of God. It was true then and it's true today. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, comma, because anyone who comes to him, him is God, anyone who comes to him must believe that. Now, before we get, it's a pretty, pretty beautiful setup right there. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. He loves faith. He acts. He will respond to your faith. He will. And if you want to come to God, he's about to give us two things. There could be a lot of things. Scripture speaks. But in this specific thing, through the Holy Spirit, hey, if you want to come to God, you must believe two things. That's pretty exciting. What are the two things? That's a, I like short list. Give me two. Here's number one. Must believe that he exists. We're small Right, this verse that we're supposed to walk out and see. Right, some of you you know that we, we blame it on on one of our sisters here, Kim Branch, for for bringing Marco Polo into the church. It's an app where you video uh, the youngins call it vlog. Right, um, but just this morning driving into church, I got a I got a I got a message from a pastor friend in Colorado. And he's showing me snow-capped mountain sunset because, you know, they're a few hours behind us. And it's just like you just can't walk around this universe and not know that this didn't come from us. Right? So, so he gave us all, not, not clues, he gave us all kinds of evidence that he exists. So that's the beginning. Right? And, and I know we got folks in our church that are like, I don't even know if there is a God. This is the church for you. We love people that aren't even sure if there is a God. He loves you and he'll show up in that question. He will. Number one, that anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. And here's the second one, that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Never heard that before. Some of you, huh? Like that's in scripture? Yeah, that's in there. I didn't make that straight from it. Hey, without faith, you're not going to please God. And you want to come to God? Here, Holy Scripture or Holy Spirit broke down just two basic things in Hebrews 11, 6. You got to believe that he exists and you got to believe that he rewards. Now, we got all kinds of things in our church, church background. We got those that didn't grow up in any church background, right? And then we, we got some things when we talk about rewards. We got one camp that maybe, maybe this is you. You grew up in the camp of, man, they talked about rewards all the time at your church, right? It's all about rewards, and you were taught God wants to reward everybody. That's not what it says, right? But it said God wants to reward everybody, and in your context, 99.9% .9 of the time, that reward was straight cash, homie right? It was all about the money. And it may be, now he may reward you in other ways, but we're really talking about the money, right? So, and, and it was all like over materialistic, over consumer, over just show up humans and God will pour lottery ticket abundance on you. The problem with that is it, it helps people seek the reward and he doesn't reward those that seek the reward. He rewards those who seek him. So we're seeking him, not the reward, right? But then that gets us into the other camp. Some of you grew up in the other camp, which is don't you use the R word. 
right? Jesus came and bled on a cross for you, and you want to talk about a reward? Like, you're not worthy of him doing anything he did, much less, like, we know, the more suffering, the better. The poorer you are, the better. Monks are awesome. We love monks because they're miserable in the middle of nowhere doing nothing, which there's no scripture that would tell us that monks is a good idea, right? Like, we go and be with God. That's what heaven's for. Right now, we're in the world, not of the world, but we're a light and a salt and all these things, right? So it's just a suffering and just a, uh, just like, don't use the R word. We, we, we don't do anything for reward. We don't deserve any reward. We don't talk about reward. And the problem with that position is scripture. Because scripture says we're to live by faith. And what is faith? Faith is confidence of what we hope for and a certainty of what we don't see. And without that faith, we can't please God. And what does that look like? Well, it looks like anybody coming to him, believing that he exists and believing, believing that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That's powerful. It's life changing. Here's, here's how this kind of came to me, and I feel like God wanted us to hear what this might sound like. God saying to us, this verse, just saying like this, God saying to your life right now, I got you. I'm good. I love you. And I enjoy blessing you. I got you. I'm good. I love you. And I, as your creator, God, I get so much pleasure out of blessing your life. And to me, I started to pray that. This has been, it's been, been life-changing even in, in this week for me of, of, of putting God's name on that. God, I know that you got me. God, I know you're good. God, I know that you love me. And I believe that you enjoy blessing my life. It's become a mantra, right? This power in stating truth out loud. God is real. God is true. God does have you. God does love you. God does enjoy blessing your life. In fact, he said, you can't even come to him unless you believe that he rewards those who earnestly, legitimately, sincerely are seeking him. And it does not mean He's going to bless you financially, but it could, <laughs> right? We're not saying it is that. We're not saying it isn't that. He's the God of good gifts, right? When my kid was little and shaking a Christmas present, right? And wanting to know, like, it might be, it might not be what you think it is, but it's going to be good. And I'm going to get pleasure out of giving it to you. That's our God. If you haven't heard of that God, that's not my fault. It's not his fault. Because he is a God that says, if you come to me, you got to believe that I exist, and I love to reward people that seek me. And he does. And he is. And we get to write the next chapter of what that looks like. How? Living by faith. Living by faith and seeking him, you will see that he is the God of good, of reward. I took that SAT and I was done. I was going to go back to my plan and an advisor said, why don't you try the ACT? Because KCU, Kentucky Christian University, takes the ACT or the SAT. I'd never heard of the ACT at the time growing up in Winston-Salem. I didn't, we didn't, they didn't talk about that at my school. But I found out, I was like, what is the ACT? Is that like SAT for 
dumb kids. Like, I'm all about, it's like the, you know, give me the lesser version. No, it's just a different test, a different whatever, different makeups. All right, you know what, God? Sure. Took the ACT, waited. The mail comes back. I get the score on the number. Not one more, not one less. I get exactly the number that I need to have the scholarship to go to KCU to follow the call of God on my life. Maybe I was a lot smarter that day. No. I was just trying, and my own 17-year-old immature self, I was trying to figure out what it meant to live by faith. And I was seeking him, sometimes with an attitude, but I was seeking, I, I just, I, I think at the end of the day, I was think I do want what you want. And he promises and he enjoys rewarding that faith in my life, in your life, and in the life of our church. We can pray for faith. I'm going to do that over you and uh, we're going to dismiss. If you'd stand, let me pray for us. If you'd like to talk about placing your faith, man, I'll be right up here. Love to have conversation. Father, we, uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you're doing in people's lives through our journey through Mark over the next few months. And pray this week as we get into Mark 3 as a church that our eyes, that our hearts would be excited and attentive and anticipating a real God meeting us, not in a book or a document, but in, in a living, active word. Just help us open and get distracted free and hear from you in that way. And I pray, God, that as we leave this series, we will be a church made up of individuals, of young people, of teenagers, of college students, of, of single moms, of, of married folk, of all ages, all colors, all different backgrounds that will live by faith. Help us be motivated by the righteousness that you've revealed through Jesus. Help us never get over that you took a test and give us the perfect score, even though you did all the work. Help us be motivated by your love, by your grace, and help us remember that if we want to come to you, and we do, that we got to keep believing that, one, you exist, but also that you love to reward. You love to reward those who seek you. I pray for faith, for those with none, that you'd give them a little to start. With those a little, you give them a little more. With those a lot, that they know they're nowhere near the cup being full, that we would just keep growing in faith. We pray that even this week as we go from this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, church.